You're listening to Rates and Lanes with Rico Mohammed. This is the show where we improve your knowledge of the freight market, improve your bottom line, and improve the transportation industry as a whole. We're talking Rates and Lanes. Let's move on down the audio road. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are coming to you tonight live from New Jersey. The Garden State. Tonight we have a special guest that will be pinch hitting for us tonight for Hank Seaton. He could not be with us tonight, but we have Mr. Avery Vice that's going to be on with us tonight, and he has, is an expert in mostly regulatory issues. He's not an attorney, so we will kind of hold back off of the legal talk tonight. But we will be discussing regulatory issues that may be upcoming under a new President Trump administration. The election is over with. We did not get a chance to uh, be with you guys last week. We had some issues that came up. So we are going to get some reactions to the um, the election that passed this previous week, see how what may be coming down the pipe for us in the transportation industry what kind of uh, rules and regulations that might be on the horizon in our industry and how it may or may not affect us. But before we jump into that, we're going to begin the show off as we normally do. And this week we have the report from the USDA, the Fruit and Vegetable Truck Rate Report. And we have quite a bit of movement on this report since the last time we spoke. We have super shortages in a couple of different areas, the first one being Upper Valley, Twin Falls, Burley District, Idaho. We are showing major, major shortages of trucks in that area. We have way more loads than there are trucks that are available in that area. Minnesota, North Dakota, Red River Valley, that is also showing a shortage of trucks. San Luis Valley, Colorado, we are showing a slight shortage of trucks in that area. Slight shortage of trucks are being reported at Mexico Crossing through Nogales, Arizona. Idaho, Merrill County, Oregon, showing slight shortages. Mississippi, Eastern North Carolina, Columbia Basin, Washington. Yakima Valley, Winchy District, Washington, and Central Wisconsin. All of these areas are reporting slight shortages of trucks in those areas. So if you are looking to get a really good rate, and if you happen to be moving produce, happens to be one of your specialties, these markets may be right for the picking. And moving on to areas that may not be so good, and there's only one that is actually reporting a surplus, and and I think that's kind of as par for the course, Central and South Florida. Central and South Florida is showing an outright surplus of trucks. There are way more trucks than there is freight in that area. As we normally always try to do, there is a link to this report up on the Rates and Lanes Facebook page with Rico Muhammad. So you can click on over there and check out this report for your own viewing pleasure. There's a lot more information on this report that we do not really tap into here on the show. But it's there for your pleasure nonetheless. Moving right along, jumping over into this week's EAT Trendlines report. For the week of November 6th through the 12th, rates were down for vans, reefers, and flatbeds. Last week, after a big boost in the few in the first few days of the month compared to the previous week, average rates fell by $0.03 cents per mile for vans, $0.02 cents per mile for reefers, and $0.02 cents per mile for flatbeds. Rate for, rates for vans remain very strong for this time of the year, however. Now let's take a deeper dive and try to unpack a little bit of this and check out the National Van Demand and Capacity Report for the week of November 6th through the 12th. After showing momentum the first week of November, demand was down slightly last week. Van load postings dipped 4% and truck postings increased by 3% last week, which caused the load-to-truck ratio to decline by 7% to a 2.7 loads per truck. 
the national average fan rate fell three cents compared to the previous week. Also, national diesel prices were down by 1.2%. The national average price for diesel shows $2.44 per gallon. Let's jump over and look and see how the rates were performing nationally and also regionally for dry vans. After a strong start in November, rates dipped by 3 cents per mile last week to a national average of $1.67 per mile for dry vans. Outbound rates were up in the Chicago and Philadelphia markets but fell in the Atlanta and Denver markets. Taking a look by region across the country, for dry vans on the spot market, we have Philadelphia, Pennsylvania checking in, showing average spot market rates for dry vans at $1.71 per mile. Atlanta, Georgia checking in, showing average spot market rates at $1.86 per mile. Coming out of the Midwest, leading the charge for spot market rates for dry vans, Chicago, Illinois, checking in, showing $2.09 per mile on average. Moving down into the south central portion of the United States, Dallas, Texas, checking in, showing an average spot market rate of $1.50 per mile. And moving out to the west coast, the left coast, too far behind the Midwest, showing average spot market rates for dry vans at $2.08 per mile. Moving right along and jumping over into the flatbed demand and capacity report for the week of November 6th through the 12th, flatbed load postings declined by 2% last week, and truck postings increased by 2%. So the load-to-truck ratio held steady at 14.1 loads per truck. The national average flatbed rate dipped by $0.02 compared to the previous week. Let's see what that dip, how that performed for the rates for flatbeds. The national average flatbed rate declined two cents per mile last week, down to a dollar eighty-nine cents per mile nationally. So, taking a look by region, starting off in the northeastern portion of the United States, we have Harrisburg, PA, checking in, showing average spot market rates for flatbeds at three dollars and eight cents per mile. Moving down into the southeastern portion of the United States, we have Atlanta, Georgia checking in, showing average spot market rates of $2.08 per mile. Moving into the Midwest, once again, uh, very strong flatbed market, spot market rates out of Rock Island, Illinois, at $2.28 per mile on average. Moving down into the south central portion of the United States, Houston, Texas checking in, Average spot market rates for flatbeds at $1.94. And bringing up the rear, the West Coast, Phoenix, Arizona checking in. Average spot market rates on average of $1.60 per mile. And jumping into the reefer demand and capacity report, for the previous week of November 6th through the 12th, produce had an off week last week with several markets seeing a large fall-off in volumes. Reefer load postings declined by 1.5%, and truck postings increased by 3.4%. That resulted in a 5% decline in the load-to-truck ratio from 6.8 down to 6.4 loads per truck. The national average spot market rate for reefers also fell $0.02 cents compared to the previous week. Let's see how those rates were performing. The national average rate slipped two cents for reefers last week down to a dollar ninety five cents per mile nationally, and several markets saw double digit declines in outbound rates. As volumes fell in location, rates slid more than ten cents out of Grand Rapids and Twin Falls, while rates in Green Bay added nine cents. Taking a look around the country, starting off in the northeastern portion of the United States. We have Elizabeth, New Jersey checking in, showing us at an average spot market rate for reefers at $1.70 per mile. Moving down into the southeastern portion of the United States, we have $1.18 per mile coming out of Lakeland, Florida. Moving into the Midwest, 
leading the charge, Green Bay, Wisconsin. Average spot market rates for reefers at $2.79 per mile. Coming out of the Rio Grande and south central portion of the United States, McAllen, Texas, showing a healthy $1.75 per mile on average. And moving out west, Fresno, California, checking in, showing an average of $1.93 per mile on average for reefer freight. That, my friends, wraps up this week's DAT Trendlines report. And as always, there is a link provided for your viewing pleasure at the Rates and Lanes Facebook page. Uh, and this week, before we wrap up and bring our guest on, we're going to get into the good, bad, well, actually, this is just the bad broker report. A few since we last talked. There is, uh, so make sure you got your pen and paper ready for this one. Because we got about mm, quite a few new additions to the list. TMT Logistics Inc. or TMT Inc. MC numbers 387-917. Surety bond has been canceled. Over $9,000 in non-payment complaints have been reported. TMAC Logistics, MC number 736-789. Over $37,000 in non-payment complaints have been reported. They are considered an extreme risk. Bullet Truck Brokerage, MC number is 762-618. Over $4,000 in non-payment complaints have been reported. A&T Freight Services, MC number 890 579. FMCSA shows trust fund has been canceled as of, well, actually, trust fund is scheduled for cancellation, excuse me, on 12 Over $89,000 in non payment complaints have been reported. They are considered an extreme risk. Williamson Enterprises, they are a freight forwarder. Their freight forwarder number is 10225. Surety bond canceled over $20,000 in non-payment complaints. West Coast Brokerage, Inc., or Blue Waters Transportation, MC number 764889. FMCSA shows trust bond canceled on 11-6-16. They have over $8,000 in non-payment complaints. Coastal Truck Lines. MC number 943632. FMCSA shows trust fund canceled over $13,000 in reported non payment complaints. Valencia Freight Company. FM, uh, MC number is 972537. FMCSA shows trust fund canceled over $26,000 in non payment complaints reported. And the last one to make the list, Lane Balance Systems, LLC. MC number is 475-581. FMCSA shows trust fund is canceled over $5,000 in non-payment complaints. So, ladies and gentlemen, over the course of two weeks, the list of the bad brokers on our, on our report has almost tripled. So make sure, please make sure, when you're booking freight, if you're dealing on the spot market and you're dealing with brokers, freight forwarders, that you're doing your due diligence and that you're vetting these people before you put this freight on your truck. You don't want to uh, um, be caught in the nightmare of trying to go back and recoup any money for, from unscrupulous people that are not paying their bills. So just make sure you're doing your due diligence. And speaking of which, all of this is covered in Hank Seaton's book, Hank couldn't be with us tonight. He had a previous obligation, and we definitely understand that. But you can go and click on we have the offer up on the Race and Lanes Facebook page. And if you are click on the link to order Hank's new book, Rules of the Road, and it's at checkout, if you use the code RICO2016, that's R-I-C-O-2016, that will get you a 20% discount on the book. I definitely highly recommend uh, this book, as we've touted before with his previous book, Protecting Motor Carrier's Interest in Contracts. Hank is very thorough with his and meticulous with his information that he puts out there. Definitely, definitely uh, 
has my endorsement behind it. So please go out and support that book. You definitely want to have that in your repertoire uh, and have that in your war chest as you're continuing to go down the road and doing business as a motor carrier. And if you're not, even if you're not a motor carrier, if you're thinking about becoming a motor carrier, if you're thinking about getting your authority, by all means, definitely this is should be required reading. You definitely want to have this on your bookshelf just to view so that you are prepared for the stuff that's coming down the pipe. And right now we're going to bring our, get ready to bring our special guest on that's uh, sitting in for Hank Avery Vice. But just want to shoot out to everyone that's on the line. I see we got quite a bit of callers on the line. If you have any questions, tonight we're not going to be doing, Avery's not an attorney, so we're not going to be doing legal stuff tonight. But if you have any questions or concerns or or, or anything that you would like to throw out there as far as regulatory issues or anything like that. Avery is, is definitely prepared. He comes to us with over 18 years of experience as an analyst and an editor and with an expertise emphasizing on regulatory issues. So we definitely got someone that can help us kind of uh, uh, feel our way through the muck and the mire, if you will. So if you got a question, go ahead and press number one. Uh, my one of my daughters is back home in Atlanta screening the phone calls for us, and we'll get you up and on board so that you can get get in and participate with us. And with that being said, we're going to bring on our special guest, Mr. Avery Vice. Avery, are you there? Can you hear me? Yes, Rico. <clears throat> Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for coming on. Well, we're going to go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and open up the floor and let you take charge, first of all, just to, you know, kind of help us guide the, the conversation a little bit. I'll let you if, if, if kind of give us an opening statement. I know that you're with Transcomply, which is uh, one, of, one, of, one of Hank's uh, ventures that he has going on as well. Uh, maybe you can tell us a little bit about Transcomply and what you guys do over there. Sure. Um, our job really is to help uh, – uh, new and small carriers uh, work through the compliance uh, and business best practice issues. And, and frankly, it, we do it in a way where we're there to help uh, guide through uh, resources. Um, but because we don't actually, you know, we, we don't perform IFTA filing and we don't, we don't do the day-to-day management, on the other hand, it's very cost-effective. So that's kind of what we're there for is to be a, a resource uh, on an ongoing basis, now that comes with a number of services that are built into a subscription, um, and actually including <clears throat> our new entrant and member subscriptions include the book. So um, if if you are a member of TransComply, the book is actually part of your your subscription fee. And um, the, while again I am not an attorney, as you pointed out, uh, I will say on the book um, I spent uh, I'm I'm the editor of the book, and so. I've learned a tremendous amount uh, of, of information from from the book, and, and I, I certainly, of course, I've, I'm not exactly unbiased since TransComply is actually the publisher of the book, but um, it, it really is uh, very comprehensive. Um, in fact, it's uh, it's dramatically more comprehensive, really, than even his old book, which I know is very useful. Um, and I actually <laughs> published that book as well uh, in my uh, previous uh, incarnation when I was in, with another company. Um, but that that uh, book, um, that original book <clears throat> that was so helpful to so many people, um, represents probably 25% of this book in terms of what it covers. There's a whole area in uh, Rules of the Road that talks about um, – uh, you know, handling what we call handling bumps in the road, and um, it's really where uh, where things can really get dicey in hand, what to do when your customer goes bankrupt. Uh, you know, how do you handle cargo claims? How do you handle freight jar- charge collections? All of which sound very overwhelming for someone who might only have uh, you know one, two, three, four trucks. But you know, it's all really the same process that the bigger guys go through, and it does take attention and, and you know unfortunately uh you know small owner probably has to do it all himself and and that's why we're there to to help guide them so um you know the the book is part of it um we provide um you know compliance resources for for new carriers for for company drivers who might be out there who are looking uh we also provide um support in their new entrant audit which you know is something that is is uh not 
you know, a lot of people focus on, um, I know, you know, there's a lot of focus obviously on the business side of it, but the actual compliance side of surviving your first year is, is a big piece of it as well. So it's uh, it's kind of, uh, you know, a broad offering, um, but again, the, the book is part of that, and, and, and thanks for pointing that out. And uh, just, you know, quick, because my background is, as you said, I'm an analyst and editor. I actually was an editor in the trucking industry for about 12 years um, before uh, moving into to, to what I do now, and um, so I've, you know, had, I've been through a few changes in administration and and seeing how uh, these regulations do and do not typically change uh, from one uh, one party to another. Well, with that being said, and uh, we did have an historic election that took place last week. Um, what do you see? And we didn't get a chance to talk uh, when the uh, ruling came down uh, about the ELDs, and maybe with that, that, that's a good jumping-off point for us to, to maybe, uh, you know, with the final ruling coming down with the electronic logging devices and, and everything behind that, and now we with the new administration coming in, what do you see as far as the, the, the whole ELD mandates and, and, and things that may be coming down the pipeline with that? And, and actually, what's your um, – how can you guide us a little bit on the uh, new mandate that, that did come down? Because we hadn't spoken to Hank since that came down from the courts. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, I think the uh, the real key development was on Halloween, um, you know, a week and a day before the election, um, because that is when the Seventh Circuit came down with the decision that, that upheld the the uh, the regulation and. Um, I really think that was probably the end of it, um, at least in terms of a realistic chance to to change things. Now, um, you know, that's not to say there might not be some last-minute delays um, as we get further down the road when there's a realization that maybe the market is not as prepared to to move forward and, you know, things like that. We we see that with other regulations, but I don't, I don't really think – that anything's going to change the momentum. Um, the election, I don't really think changes anything <clears throat> in terms of electronic logging devices. Um, really, that this has not been a partisan issue. We've seen as much Republican support on that issue as we have uh, Democratic support. And in fact, the, the regulation that uh, uh, the owner-operator group originally challenged um, back in uh, um, in 2010. And, and with a court ruling in 2011, that that actually that rule actually came out of um, the um, initially at least the proposal for that rule came out of the uh, Bush administration. Um, so uh, electronic logs, uh, it was a scaled down rule. It wasn't quite as broad as this one. But the the key development that we have to keep in mind is that Congress in 2012. Uh, ordered FMCSA to do this, and that was essentially a large part of the court's ruling. And um, while the Senate was in Democratic hands, um, the House was a Republican House that did that. And um, so I really don't think anything's going to change. I think the only the only exception I would make to that argument is if someone were to be appointed at a, in a key policy position who, for whatever reason, has a um, an axe to grind on that issue, and I think that's unlikely, then then we could see something. But uh, the most important thing, frankly, is that the large carriers uh, through through the American Trucking Associations uh, want the regulation uh, because they're already adopting ELDs, and you know they want what in their mind is a level playing field. So they're going to fight any attempt to. Um, overturn it, and you know, uh, you know there certainly there is there's a feeling that maybe um, President Trump will be more on the side of the little guy than perhaps well certainly you know certainly perhaps more than President Obama, but even maybe more so than President Bush or or his father. But really, when push comes to shove, there's a lot of power behind the American Trucking Association. So you know, I think that regulation is here to stay. Um, I don't see a path that would lead to overturning it. So with all of the um, 
I know Oyed is kind of leading the charge with uh, challenging a lot on the PLD front. Uh, do you do you see them having any more success? Because they, you know, they kind of drawn the line in the sand, and it seems that you know, you know, God love them, but it seems that they're really hell bent on trying to keep this from from actually, uh, you know, challenging it in court. And they've got a couple of different arguments. What's your position? Well, you know, do you have any views or takes on that? Well, I think that you know they obviously can can appeal the Seventh Circuit decision to the Supreme Court, um, and you know that is that is really their their path unless they can change minds in Congress. Um, I, you know, there there would be an argument to be made that you know they never got Congress to reverse itself from 2012 because President Obama was always always there to veto it. Maybe President Trump wouldn't be. I think the bigger issue is that we just don't really see, in general, in safety regulation, when it comes to motor carrier safety regulation, that there's that much difference between Republicans and Democrats. Now, you look at all the other issues that are on the table, you know, labor policy, immigration policy, environmental policy, and you could go down a long list of things that we're definitely going to see some changes in. Uh, we're definitely going to see a different approach in how the um, whole independent contractor versus employee issue is handled. And that, you know, could have some very definite uh, implications uh, in the trucking industry, um, for example. But in motor carrier safety, we, we just don't see a lot that's different. Um, I think where there, I think there's definitely some areas outside of ELDs where we may very well not see any action um, just because of the cost issue. Um, and, you know, that that might be one argument in ELDs is, you know, that the cost-benefit analysis was, um, you know, essentially was, was a joke, and, and it frankly was. I mean, you know, the entire <clears> – if you take out the notion that uh, a trucker saving four minutes a day, you know, is worth all of the benefits of the rule, essentially um, – you know, it really doesn't work. But the court already addressed that. The court basically said it doesn't matter because Congress told them to do it. Therefore, they don't have to have a cost-benefit analysis. So they really only have two paths, as I see it. One is to somehow get Congress to change its mind um, and then hope that even if it does that, that, that Trump would actually agree, uh, prob probably wouldn't veto something over it. Uh, but you know that that's going to be that's you're asking for a lot from a member of Congress to take a you know to overturn a position on that. You know one thing you have to keep in mind is while you know Trump became president, the Senate became even tighter than it was. You know the the margin in the Senate now is razor thin between the Republicans and Democrats. So you know getting the Senate to do anything dramatic um, that's perceived. Uh, Negatively by a large group of people, you know, it's going to be it's going to be a, a tough order. So, if that doesn't work, then we're looking at the Supreme Court, and you know, I'm not an attorney as we as we know, but just based on um, 30 years of covering uh, courts as a journalist, um, I just don't see that there's much in this that the Supreme Court's going to say, oh, well, this is definitely something we want to look at. So it's it's tough, and, and you know, um, uh, OOIDA has definitely got a uh, uh, its work cut cut out for it. If they can pull that off, I'm, I'm I will definitely be impressed. But um, I would say that of most of you know, if I'm looking at the regulations that have been adopted by the Obama administration in the past, uh, um, you know, say two to four years, um, I would say that's probably the least likely one actually at this point to um, to go away. Okay, let's try to mix in a couple of calls. We've got a couple of people that's got their hand raised want to jump in here with us for a second. So let's go to Brian real quick. Brian, you're up and on board with Rico and A and uh Avery, how can we help? Uh oh. Did we lose Brian? Man, I think Brian might have dropped out on us. Okay, let's go to Steve. Steve, you're up and on board with Rico and Avery. How can we help? Hey, how we doing, guys? And thanks for taking my call. And uh, Rico, I got uh, uh, the Rules of the Road book, and um, and I tell you, I've really been in 
enjoying it. I've been loving it because of the such information that was uh, the information that's in that book. I tell you, it's a lot of things that I did not know that we as drivers was getting screwed over on. And uh, I just thank you for for that that insight on that book um, and everything. And um, the question that I have uh, for you guys, and I know right now it's a little early to tell because of the uh, Trump administration um, have to get in and get settled and everything like that. But one of my questions was about the autonomous truck trucks. Uh, what are the rules that FMCSA are going to adopt or is they going to adopt any types of safety regulations when it comes down to the uh, autonomous trucks that's coming out in the future? That's a great question. Well, the uh, the short answer is actually it's it's going to it's going to be a national highway traffic safety administration issue, uh, uh, as opposed to a federal motor carrier safety administration issue. Uh, although it could be a joint issue between the two of them, but um, the organization that's in, responsible for setting standards for basically what vehicles must be able to do or can't do uh, is 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 the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration or or NHTSA. Um, and you did pick an issue that I'm not as conversant in as others because mainly it's, it is so far down the road. But uh, very recently, um, NHTSA and, um, and the Department of Transportation um, put out guidelines for what would be required in order to have a successful test of, of autonomous uh, trucking or autonomous vehicles, not, not specifically trucking. Um, you know, I think we're 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 talking way down the road. Um, I think realistically. Now that that being said, I, it's interesting, uh, and I was a little surprised, frankly, how strongly the Department of Administration has really embraced the concept. And I think their theory is is that uh, you know basically you know computers don't text. You know they don't talk on the phone. Uh, they don't get drunk. Right. Uh, and so you know that. In theory, we're better off um, down the road if if we have vehicles driving them themselves. Um, there's a lot, you know, between now, you know, between the theory of that and the actual execution. And I'm sure many of you are familiar with the the Tesla accident in Florida uh, a few months ago. And you know, that was a very tragic situation where you know there was a failure. Uh, of a system or an apparent failure of a system that that led to a fatality, to no no fault of the tractor trailer driver. Um, you know, it was it was a uh, you know apparently a malfunction. Uh, it was either a malfunction or or you know human error contributing to to a malfunction or misinterpreting something. Um, we're ways down the road. It, it's going to be tested and retested, and um, I, I basically would just my only. Uh, Comment would be that if you're uh, uh, if you're over 35, you know certainly over 40, you're probably never going to have to worry about being replaced by by a machine. Uh, maybe if you're just starting out in trucking, um, it might it might become an issue. Um, you know, we we probably though will see a lot more automation, a lot more uh, uh, situations where the truck will take over. Uh, and we already see that with electronic stability control and um, you know adaptive crews and you know a number of the systems that are out there. Um, but those are you know that's a little bit different. You know the, the the driver is in charge unless something goes wrong. You know and that's a very different a animal than you know the the truck is in charge. It's almost the reverse. You know I, I've actually seen demonstrations and the, it's really the other way around. The, the, the truck is in charge unless like something dramatic happens and the driver has to intervene. So we're, we're a ways down the road. But um, there is a process in place um, through the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration primarily, but, it, you know, FMCSA is involved as well. Okay. I know that there's a video that, that, that kind of went viral. There was a video that went viral in a, in a lot of trucking uh, circles where Budweiser had um, – Started putting out uh, with the, in conjunction with Auto, the uh, yes. the uh, autonomous truck maker, and that kind of that video they've kind of gotten uh, 
videos out with their trucks already making deliveries and, and you know, the driver's hitting the button and the truck driving itself down the road. I, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that one, but I know that that, that kind of caused a little bit of a uh, – it made some antennas go up. It, 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 it made things get a little uneasy for a lot of people on, on our side of the fence anyway. Sure. Well, you know, the, the technology certainly is not the issue as much as it is people's, uh, you know, acceptance that, that technology will work 100% of the time because, you know, really 99.999% of the time is not good enough <laughs> um, because mm-hmm. if you have, uh, you know, one thousandth of a percent failure, that's that's a lot of deaths. So um, that's really the issue. You know, in that particular case, it was a controlled you know, it's a pretty controlled situation. So, you know, it, we can certainly do it if we want to build it. You know, if we want to build an entirely separate highway system, you know, or something like that. But, um, you know, realistically, um, it's it's going to be a, a long time from now. And um, I think very few people who are in the industry now need to worry about their jobs. Yeah, I, I get. You know, I get why the technology is is coming coming, um, you know, in the future, and I understand about the uh, bigger mega carriers of why they want to use this technology, and, and I do know that this technology is coming. You know, I, I definitely understand that. Um, but, uh, and I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, uh, you know, um, I, I don't have too much faith in the FMCSA and, and, and NIFTA of making these types of rules because of, because of their trick track record in the past and when you're coming down to a terminus terminus truck 80,000 pounds running down the road um, with no driver behind the wheel um, you know it, it like you said it kind of makes my antenna antenna sort of sticks up in that area but uh but I'm, I'm real concerned about it I'm going to continue to follow it closely and um and and I do appreciate you guys taking taking my call on this issue sure thank you we appreciate the phone call, Steve. Put you back on hold so you can continue to listen. Um, we had someone else that well, no, they don't have a question. But if you got a question for myself or Avery, you can go ahead and press number one. We'll try to get you up and on board. With that being said, Avery, moving on to another issue, um, the the regulation that's coming down or reviewing a uh, uh, rule that's looking like uh, they're trying to review for a final draft, the um, entry-level driver training standards. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, that's that's a situation where I think that the cost involved uh, is one where a Republican administration may make a difference. Um, at this point, one one thing I need to explain, and, 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 and forgive me if it's a little technical, but um, when there's a change in administration, and, and this really only comes to play when there's a change in party, um, although almost all the time there there is a change in party when there's a change in administration, um, there is this little device called a regulatory moratorium. And what that means is that any rule that is not in effect uh, as of the date of inauguration, which would be January 20th, um, can can be set aside by the new president without, you know, basically any – um, you know, any other process. The, the the new president can just say, okay, we're not going to do this. Um, so, uh, and I say that because um, there's actually two regulations that, in theory, uh, are right on that on that cusp um, between you know possibly being able to go into effect before uh, January 20th and, and, and probably not. Um, the one, one regulation which we will um, almost certainly see between um, now and Inauguration Day is the clearinghouse for positive drug tests and refusal to take drug tests. Um, that regulation has been approved by the White House and could be issued any day. Um, it um, is not likely to be overturned. Uh, you know, it's it's a uh, there aren't, there isn't a whole lot of uh, interest by any party to, um, you know, block something that's against drugs. Um, so it's really not. Uh, that's not one that's going to be controversial. Uh, I don't think there's any particular rush, in fact, on that one in order to get it done because I don't think anybody would think that uh, um, that 
President Trump would uh, would overturn that. Now, the other one is the um, the only other rule that is even close to becoming a final rule is the entry level driver training, and that that rule, however, is has not been cleared by the White House. It is uh, under White House review. Um, the in general, a major rule is a 60-day effective date. Um, so if we assume that there's a 60-day effective date on, on any major rule, then uh, the Obama administration would have to publish the entry-level driver training by Saturday, <laughs> um, or by I guess by Sunday, uh, in order for it to come beyond that 60-day window. Um, since tomorrow is Thursday, uh, it would actually the, the only even conceivable way of it taking you know taking effect, unless they did a 30 day, which would which would be highly unusual. Um, if they did a 30 day, then they have another month. But you know with a with a normal 60 day uh, effective date, um, basically the White House would have to clear it tomorrow, and um, FMCSA would have to publish it Friday. Um, that's highly unlikely to happen. So. That rule is going to be sitting around for a while. Um, you know, the cost. You know, you, you kind of it's it's everything's relative, right? <laughs> uh, I think generally the nobody in the industry really likes the rule because of the cost. On the other hand, it's it's dramatically better than the the proposed rule was or the original proposed rule. So um, it's kind of a. Um, uh, double you know versus a double you notes don't sort of thing. But my guess is, um, you know, if it gets issued between now and, and January 20th, it's going to be subject to the moratorium, and it's probably going to go away again, as it has several times over the last 20 plus years. I mean, Congress, Congress originally ordered that rule um, during the early days of the Clinton administration. So. Um, that rule has been uh, been kicking around um, almost as long as the hours of service right. rule was. Right. Okay. Um, let's see. We got a couple of people that's got their hand raised again. Let's try to mix in a few more calls. I think we got Brian back with us. Brian, you're up and on board with Rico and Avery. How can we help? Hey, Rico. How you doing? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Uh, I'm doing all right. Hey, um, I noticed at the beginning of the show you had the uh, bad broker list going on, uh, telling uh, yes, us about the bad brokers. Well, there's a there's been an outfit going on. I don't know if you're aware. For about the last eight months, my company was actually involved too in another brokerage called Promises Plus out of Minnesota, where a group of individuals were using a carrier, which was me, to book loads and then posting them on the load boards at astronomical amounts and then brokering them off as this Promises Plus company, which has caused nothing but a nightmare um, for the last mm. three months, of just myself. Um, they were using Google numbers and Gmail accounts, and unsuspecting drivers were taking these loads, thinking they were good, um, and they weren't, and then it turned into a nightmare. I've got dozens of calls and promises has, but there's no Google is basically the the one that's been people been able to use the Google numbers, the Gmail accounts, and no one has been able to shut them down. They just operate day to day, every day. I still get calls. Day, you booked this load with me yesterday. I said, No, I didn't. And you know, <laughs> It's now it's a nightmare where you know are they going to come back on me because these brokers are going to think they brokered loads to me, you know, and they didn't. And then they're well, then they're, the drivers are picking the up these loads. That, some of the things that were, in my in my opinion, uh, that we haven't been doing on both sides of the board, motor carriers and brokers both, wouldn't there been a little bit of lax of, of making sure and betting to to ensure that the person that you're doing business with over the telephone is actually the person that is doing the uh that is that is doing the load. You know, a lot of times they'll you will get some broker that ask you what's the name on the side of your truck or whatever. But there's no real vetting process other than the person that they're talking to asking them a couple of minute questions that barely even scrape the surface 
to actually get a tangible, you know, one way to definitely, if you are a broker, one way to definitely ensure that you're dealing with the right motor carrier is get the last four digits of the VIN number and call the insurance company and verify to make sure that that, that, that uh, is actually insured with the motor company, you know, that they sent you over the uh, the insurance on. You know, there's, there's a couple of different things that we can do to, to properly vet individuals that we're doing business with, we have to come out of the low-hanging fruit in the survival mode process and actually start doing our work as motor carriers and as brokers. Um, you know, we have to make sure that we're actually dotting those I's and crossing those T's. So much now we, we've kind of just kind of really gotten laxed on that whole process. And uh, it's it's – the industry is suffering because of it. I, I, I noted that, you know, with the with the advent of a lot of the electronic process, and you've got some stuff now where you don't even have to fill out a uh, uh, you don't even have to fill out paper anymore. You can just at the click of a button and be set up with a brokerage company and to do business with them. But I just think that you know we have to take a take a breath and go back to actually going back and verifying and doing credit checks and, and all that other stuff to make sure that we're doing good business with, with uh, qualified individuals. Um, well, well, the credit Ava, you got checks anything are good. You'd like to add to that? No, um, I, I, think that, I think that really covers it, yeah. Yeah, the credit checks are done. It's just, uh, you know, they're, they're, you're getting real long emails, and we're talking hundreds and hundreds of loads. I think uh, my company's been hit for about uh, $4.8 million so far in false loads. Wow. So, you know, it, it's it's getting to be a thing where, you know, now I'm trying to say, look, I had no truck there. I have the ELDs, which, you know, everyone's against, but it protects me because they know exactly where I've been. And it's just getting to be a hassle. And, you know, people got, people got to understand if you get a, a brokerage with a Gmail account, it's probably fake, you know. And uh, that's about my only opinion on that. And, and just my last question on the ELDs, I'll give you a real brief question. I have nothing against it um, as an owner-op. I just think they need to get rid of all the exemptions for everybody. Just make it one rule for all, and uh, let's just uh, rock and roll and get it, you know, just deal with it. And that's all. Yeah, all right, I'd well, on that. appreciate the phone call. If I have a chance, I'd just uh, like to say, yeah, you know, that's one of the issues is just so many exemptions and, you know, the – the the law enforcement community is really is really frustrated about that and uh, yeah yeah the, 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 <laughs> okay and let's see we got Mike that has a question for us let's go to Mike Mike you're up for no more with Rico and Avery how can we help hey Rico and Avery I appreciate you guys taking my call yeah I've yes sir been thank you a lot about those sure I've I've been hearing a lot about these autonomous trucks. The question I have is who's going to work on them? Uh, right now I've heard there's going to be in the next 10 years a shortage of about 100,000 trained technicians to work on the current trucks. Um, you know, and uh, people talk about these autonomous trucks, and I say, well, who do I want driving this 80,000-pound vehicle, a paid trained professional with a family or a vehicle powered by the latest Windows 10 service upgrade or maybe an app on the Samsung Galaxy Note 7, you know? <laughs> so uh, I'm I'm really not too worried about it. Another fact is that uh, trucking is still the number one job in 28 different states. So going back to what Avery was talking about about the Congress, I feel like there could be real political repercussions if uh, they let these uh, things get on the, the highways uh, mainstream. Um, and uh, speaking of politics, I had a question for you guys uh, with uh, President-elect Trump taking over and being a businessman, knowing the importance of logistics and making deadlines. Uh, do you see him perhaps uh, appointing a more truck-friendly uh, truck FMCSA coordinator, perhaps the next trucker or uh, someone that uh, perhaps is uh, under trucking company? Hmm. Well, uh, I, you know, I don't see there's any reason to think he'll have anyone in particular. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, it's really a blank slate at this point. Um We've had, um, we haven't, to, to my knowledge, we've never had anyone that I would say was really a trucker um, as FMC as administrator or before that one is FHWA. I mean, the closest 
would have been uh, Joseph Clapp about uh, a dozen years ago or more. Um, but he was head of, uh, I believe it was Conway or, or you know, one of the uh, very large carriers. And so that's, you know, not exactly, I think, what what we have in mind. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's really too early to say, you know, my instinct tells me that the, the type of people who get those jobs are, you know, people who've, who've got connections, uh, and those tend to be, um, you know, people who, um, you know, haven't necessarily been in, involved in the, the day-to-day of trucking. Um, you know, but we'll, uh, you know, we'll just have to see. Um, you know, the, the one thing I will say is whoever actually is the FMCSA administrator is really symbolic anyway. I mean, the, the decisions get made uh, really even above the Department of Transportation level, but certainly at that level. So a lot of people pay a lot of attention to the FMCSA administrator, but, you know, when it when push comes to shove, that person doesn't really have a lot of influence. I agree completely. I agree completely. Um, Mike, that, that's that's pretty – that was it. You, uh, you, you good? Yeah, I, you know, I, I had uh, I know truck, uh, truckers from Trump was a, was a big push, and uh, a lot of truckers did a lot of advertising. So hopefully this new administration will keep us in mind for sure. And and uh, you know, I tell people I talk to, I said we don't have to accept uh, you know this technology being pushed on us. You know, call your senator, write them, uh, let them know that uh, you do not want your families on the highways with these computerized trucks. They can't even build trucks today with the current emission standards that are reliable. Uh, I know on one Facebook page, a gentleman was talking about buying six new tractors, and they were all leaking water. He put them in the shop for two weeks at the dealership. He got them back. They were all still leaking water. So, uh, like I said, I, I do not trust it, and uh, uh, we need to stand up. There's three and a half million of us drivers, plus many others in the industry. that need to get motivated and uh, let our congressman and senators know we don't want these on the road. And thanks for taking, thanks for taking my call, guys. Hey, Mike, we appreciate yep. it. And before before we get ready, because we're getting close on time, uh, I guess we'll get into a little bit of the controversy and, and maybe the hot button issues uh, about a about the uh, the new Trump administration. Uh, big promises on they talked about uh, maybe looking into doing some more privatization on roads under Trump administration. He, he kind of threw that out there a little bit, and of course. Um, you know that that kind of leads us to you know what does what would that look like? Uh, you know maybe we can peer into the crystal ball real quickly and and, and touch on that because that's kind of been a little bit of a hot button issue. What do you what do you think about that one, Abe? Sure. Well, you know when when you look at what a Trump administration is going to look like, you know I think it's fair to say that you know from from an average trucker's point of view. There's not going to be much that's any worse than than un, under the Obama administration, but but there is there is I think a potential danger um, of something happening that I that I think would be very uh, unpleasant to, you know for truckers, and and you you touched on it and you know there is there is a, a plan to spend a lot of money on infrastructure. You know, in theory, that's great. I mean, you know, the, high, the better the roads, uh, the more productive people can be, the more comfortable pe- people can be. But, you know, you do have to pay for it somehow. And, you know, I think there is a, a definite push toward privatization. The woman who's in charge, actually, of the transportation uh, portion of the transition team, uh, uh, Shirley Wabera, uh, who, who I actually knew in a, in a previous incarnation um, in, in a career um, over two decades ago, um, she, um, you know, she comes with a very strong privatization bent. And when we say privatization, what we really, you know, ultimately what that, that means is tolls. Because when you privatize, uh, you know, federal road, uh, you got to pay, pay for it somehow. And the way you pay for it is through tolling. And that's may not be the only way, but it's you know pretty much the only you know realistic way. So we could see a fight on that. I think the the, the good news for the trucking industry is that one group of people that don't want to see tolls are the people whose uh, job it is to control funding. And whether they're Democrats or Republicans, um, they're not real big on tolls because that that you know decentralizes. 
control of, of the funding stream. And that's really what, uh, whether, you know, Republican or Democrat, you, you really want. So Congress has not, Congress has played around with the toll issue um, a little, but, you know, I think it would be, uh, it's still going to be a difficult sell to get them to come in, you know, wholesale. So I, I think there's their friends in the Republican Party that the trucking industry has there. But, you know, I, I will say it's it's going to be um, more likely, you know, than it, certainly than it has been. Um, so tolls are definitely something to to watch and and you know be somewhat concerned with. Man, we're almost right on cue. Well, Avery, we're getting close to the top of the hour, and before we let you guys get up out of here, we would like to give people an opportunity if they wanted to get in contact with you and, and some of the things that you guys are doing. How can people do that? Sure. Um, well, you can certainly go to our webpage, which is transcomply.com. Uh, we have a newsletter that we send out, um, you know, when there's when there's news for us to send out, uh, and at least once a month, and often more often than that. We did a special report last week on, on the Trump uh, election, uh, and you can sign up for that at transcomply.com/updates, uh, and you'll be on our list for that. Um, or you can just go to transcomply dot com slash news and, and, and read our news at any given time. Um, and then just in general, look around there to see what we offer. Again, um, our, our, we offer a lot of services for people who've just gotten their authority uh, to survive their audit. We also uh, offer um, a very basic website to, um, and this ties into the book uh, very much. Uh, one thing that, that uh, Hank recommends in the book is providing uh, your service terms and conditions on a website. And so with that in mind, one of the offerings we, we provide under um, TransComply is, is a you know pretty basic website, but one that you know shows that you really are a carrier uh, and not just a Gmail account. Um, so um, and then we you know provide com ongoing compliance help. Uh, and uh, our um, process agent service, which is a very uh, high-quality service that has a transportation attorney in every state. So if you're served on papers in a in a state, you have someone you can go to. Um, so again, trans, transcomply.com, um, and we are on Facebook at uh, Facebook uh, slash transcomply, and on Twitter at at transcomply. And also our 800 number, by the way. Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Finish up. Oh, uh, and I and I guess I should give people the you know opportunity to actually call us, and that's eight hundred three two three eight nine two two. Uh, eight hundred three two three eight nine two two. Or again, you can reach us at transcomply dot com or info at transcomply dot com. Good deal. Well, we want to thank. Avery for taking time out of his busy schedule to come on and pinch hit for Hank Seaton tonight. And as always, uh, if you Hank Seaton's website, there's his other website, is transportationlaw.net. There's a wealth of information that is available on that site as well. Uh, different uh, articles, uh, PDFs, and uh, PowerPoint presentations that are there for your pleasure as well. It's a good place to go spend some time if you uh, got a little time on your hands and you want to look at look up some stuff that's dealing with the transportation industry. Always a wealth of information that is there. Like I said earlier, there's also the link on the Rates and Lanes Facebook page to pick up Hank's latest book from TransComply, Rules of the Road. You can get that 20% discount by using RICO, R-I-C-O, 2016. It's RICO 2016. Uh, and with that said, like I said, we definitely want to thank Avery for coming on and and pinch hitting for Hank. We'll take him, thank him for taking time out of his busy schedule. Want to thank the young ladies back home in Atlanta for taking time and screening the phone calls for dear old dad and helping us out on that front. And definitely, we would be remiss in our duties if we did not send a big shout out to the entire Less Truck team. Kevin and Lisa Rutherford that provide us with the platform to try to bring this show to you. Our goal here on Rates and Lanes is to help encourage and equip you with different tools and knowledge so that you can be a better business person, so that you can add more money to your bottom line. So 
If we are doing that, if you think that we're doing a halfway decent job of doing that, by all means, share the podcast. Send it out to your friends. Tell people to check us out. Uh, you can download us, and, of course, you can listen to the show later. Not not just live, but we definitely appreciate you guys for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us and be here with us. And with that being said, we're going to sign off for tonight, and we will talk to you guys again, same time, same place, God willing, next week. You guys be safe out there, and as always, keep it in between the mustard and the mayonnaise, and we'll talk to you next week. God bless you, and good night, everybody. Thanks again, Avery. Thank you, Rico. Thanks for joining us on Rates and Lanes. If you like what you heard here, leave us a rating and review on iTunes or listen to our other shows at audioroad.letstruck.com. To get in touch with our tribe, call us at 855-800-FUEL. That's 855-800-3835. Thanks for joining us for the ride down the audio road.